Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast. I am AJ. And I'm Johnny. And for the last 11 years, we've been hosting the Art of Charm podcast and live personal training here in Los Angeles. And on this podcast, we'll be delivering the best in relationship building, belief restructuring, and nonverbal body language to help you nail that first impression, increase your confidence, and build your social skills out. And if you've been following along over the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing how to become a high-value person. Part one was a couple weeks ago. This is going to be part three, so please double back if you haven't heard those previous two episodes where we delve into low-value behaviors and define what it means to be high-value. This week, we're going to be talking about how we fix ourselves. If we've identified some low-value behaviors in ourselves, we want to welcome high-value people into our life. Well, we have to become high-value first. Then we're going to talk about the steps we can take to actually welcome in those high-value people. And lastly, we're going to cover how we can become high-value in our career. So this is not just about your personal life. This also transcends that and helps your professional life. We're going to talk about how we can lead this in the workplace so that we are high value, our boss takes notice, and we can advance our career with ease. And so without further ado, we bring you Toolbox Episode Value Part 3. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on defining low-value behaviors and defining high-value behaviors mm-hmm. so that we can set ourselves up for success socially when it comes to connecting, relating, and ultimately motivating people. And two weeks ago, we identified those low-value behaviors as yes. supplicative, which is begging for attention, approval, and acceptance, combative, which is taking acceptance, approval, and appreciation, and competitive, which is one-upping. Mm-hmm. to get that attention, approval, and acceptance. Last week, we talked about what it means to be high value, which is cooperative, looking to be generous and helping other people first in order to get that attention, approval, and acceptance, giving it instead of taking it. And we also talked about how a low value social circle can hurt you. Sure, and I think we left it with, you know, if you haven't properly put together that social circle that's encouraging and supportive, it's very possible that you might not really have a really good idea of your full potential. Because as we stated, you know, having a social circle that's encouraging, supportive, puts you in a position where you'll be doing things that possibly in the past you found difficult and maybe even impossible. Yeah. So we take on the mindsets and values of the people we surround ourselves with. And a lot of us right now probably aren't thinking too much about our friends' mindsets or our friends' worldview. But when you phone your friend, when you go out to dinner with your friend and you present a problem in your life to your friend, you're seeking that advice and that advice is being filtered through their lens. And if they are a low-value person, not only are you getting low-value advice, but that can start to cloud your own judgment and your own worldview. When we talk about these things in class, one of the things that I hear about, it's either... I have a lot of work to do when I get home to fix my social circle, or I don't think my friends are all that bad. And that one will get you in trouble. And as we go through the day talking about what we need to see from people in order to cultivate a social circle that is supportive and encouraging, that's where you start to see the problems and what needs work and who is worth your time. And that's the one thing that we highlight in the boot camp that's really important. As we work on our social skills, Mm -hmm. we start to realize that time spent with people is our most valuable resource. It's not about money. We can always make money back. It really comes down to time. And who you choose to spend your time with is incredibly important to the quality of your life. 
So understanding what we're talking about here is discerning these low value behaviors and others who want our time so that we can use better judgment with who we spend that time with. Yes. But of course, we do want to talk about not writing people off entirely. We all have bad days. Absolutely. We all have situations where low value behaviors will come out, even if we're trying to be the most high value person. Well, that's the trick of this, right? We're looking to aspire to something that is impossible to be in order for us to continue working and improving ourselves and having something to strive for or giving ourselves some meaning, right? Something to wake up to, aspire to, and challenge yourself from the day before. Right. And that's what's beautiful about this. The only person that you're competing with is yourself and you're looking to be better. And now we have something that we can measure things with, such as habit building. We can right. look at how that went yesterday and look at what we're going to improve today and look at how that improves by next week and look what how that improves by next month and then three months, six months, a year. And we all know, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, that you know if you're looking to do that much improvement on yourself, in three months, you can be thinking and looking at things in a completely different perspective than possibly if you looked at before. And this is where your social circle gets in trouble because where you start seeing things differently, you start reacting to things differently, you start speaking differently. And all of a sudden there's a bunch of questions that start coming up about what's going on with you, but we'll, we'll get into them. Yeah. And we like to follow very simple rules for ourselves. We try obviously in boot camp with our clients, but also in our own lives yes. to complicate things and having a science background, being an analytical guy, it's easy to fall into that trap of trying to overcomplicate things and take the simple and turn it into the complex. Yeah. So when we're talking about looking at other people's values, where they stand on this value scale, so to speak, of low value versus high value, we're not judging people based off of one interaction, one off. We are always giving people the benefit of the doubt, as I said, because mm -hmm. we can have bad days ourselves. Of course. So we try to follow an 80-20 principle. Yes. Looking at the totality of time spent with this person and where do they fall mm. on that value scale? If 80% of the time they're high value and there's been a couple instances where you've seen them be combative, well, we're not gonna write that person off and give them no time at all. Absolutely not. And the thing about it is when you start doing this work on yourself, it's easy to become very critical. And so you're going to become very critical on yourself. You're going to pick apart things and you might even get mad because you want to make progress. Yeah. So just like getting to the gym and eating right and waking up on time and getting hard on these ideas. So of course you're going to turn the lens on yourself. You're going to get critical on yourself and you're going to start seeing, being honest with yourself about what habits, what behaviors you want to change. And because you're very critical and hard on yourself, and you're looking at these behaviors, now you're gonna start seeing these behaviors in your friends. Yeah. And that's why it's important to look at that big picture to go to the 80-20, so that you don't start seeing actions and start getting harsh on judging them and finding yourself getting upset. And that's just it. You know, I've had high value friends in my life have tragedy strike, have sure. real difficulties, lose their job, and fall into some of these low value behaviors, catastrophize and looking to be the victim in that situation. But I'm not writing them off because of that one-off. I'm right. focusing on fixing myself, taking that responsibility. Because the other great part about this, the flip side of what Johnny's saying is, yeah, you start to be a little more critical of yourself and you see things in others. But when you start to change your behaviors and work towards becoming high value, you're gonna actually start drawing out high value behaviors in your friends. Yes, They're gonna start to feel better around you because you're being cooperative, you're appreciating them, you're giving them attention, you're acknowledging their wins and their successes instead of just focusing on yourself. And because of that, they're gonna want to spend more time with you. Mm -hmm. And this is where that 80-20 principle really becomes important because we definitely don't want the low value people in our lives sucking up our time, that valuable resource that we talked about. And now we're gonna be that beacon of light at night when you camp, you have that light out and all of a sudden every creature known to everything finds you. It's very similar. That cooperativity, that positive energy that you're giving out with being high value is going to attract all kinds. And what we're talking about now is how do we filter in the right people? 
And when we start to look at our social circle and the people we spend time with, how do we make a solid judgment without writing people off too soon? So everyone has their low value moments. We are not immune to this ourselves. And I know a lot of people listening are like, oh, that's great, AJ, Johnny, you're so cooperative, you're awesome people. We struggle with this stuff too. That's the best part. I mean, that's why I'm waking up every day to be better than I was the day before in certain areas that I know I can use improvement. We might be confident in certain areas. And as soon as we move into others, we start seeing that confidence start shrinking, get shaken. We become rattled. And we'll talk about this in a bit as well as these are opportunities for you to strengthen up. And what's interesting about us, we always talk about you want to put people in position to win. You want to put your friends in position to win and you want to put yourself in positions to win. But if you want to put yourself in a position to strengthen, you have to look for the weaknesses. Absolutely. And as we start self-assessing and changing our behaviors, we're going to start looking outside of us and we're going to look at the people that we're spending the most time with and the impact that they're having on our lives. And we're going to start to guard that resource of time a little bit more. And one of the things that we get asked a lot is, what happens when a friend of yours, someone you care about, right? And maybe while you were looking for friends, you were welcoming in more people than maybe necessary or sure. welcoming in some people that have these low value behaviors. How do you cut people out of your life? And when is that moment for you? When do you make that decision? We get asked that quite a bit. And for me, it really comes down to being honest with people. As people showcase these low value behaviors to you, mistreat you, steal that attention, compete with you, constantly crave it from you. What I say is be honest with someone. Say, hey, the way you're treating me doesn't make me feel very good. It actually hurts my feelings when I'm struggling with something and you want to make it about you and you want to steal that attention and not really focus on what I'm going through. You're not listening to me. You don't seem to care. And then I look at their reaction to that because if someone wants to argue with my thoughts and feelings oh, yeah. and continue their poor behaviors and actions after I've been honest with them about the way it makes me feel, then I start to go, well, you know what? 80-20 is telling me that you're a low value person. And I know we've both used this line. And in fact, I think there's probably been times where we use it on each other. It's like, listen, I have something important to tell you. And I don't need you to come back at me. I don't need you. To, I don't need you to explain yourself. All I need for you in this moment is just to listen and hear to me. Hear out. me. And then in a day or two, we'll have a conversation about what I had to say because we can both understand. Well, obviously, I don't want to have a talk when both people are heated, or I don't need you to justify behaviors. All I need is how certain actions affect me, and I want you to think about that. I want you to be aware of it. I want you to be aware of it. Don't need to answer me. Don't need to make an excuse. Just need to listen. And that's what a good friend is. Yes. You know, Johnny and I have been friends now for over 10 years, obviously running the company. We're close in the boot camps, working with the clients that come through and being open and honest about our mistakes, our missteps with each other, and then also calling each other out when we do step on toes, when we do act out of line, we do showcase some of these low value behaviors. That's wanted and needed from us to grow. Those moments where Johnny's pulled me aside and been like, hey, man, you're going off track. You're not the AJ that I know. You're getting bogged down in maybe even depression, getting bogged down in some negative emotions. But the one thing that comes out of it when you frame it as these are my feelings, this is the way your behaviors make me feel, you're putting it in a position where people can't argue with feelings. People can argue with perceptions of reality. People can argue about actions and people can argue about intentions but you can't really argue with someone else's emotions. How you made them feel is pretty black and white. It's how you made them feel. So that's why we like to start the conversation there, and it's always from an honest place. And if this person chooses not to take that as a moment of growth, not to reflect on that, not to actually come back and be like, you know what, you're right, I did screw up there, and this is something that I appreciate you telling me and I'd like to work on, then, as we said, they start to showcase that 80% of the time, yeah. they're low value. That's where their mindset is. They don't care about your feelings. Think about that for a second. If someone doesn't care about your feelings, they're not a friend. Well, not only do they not care about your feelings, they don't care about any growth. They're not looking to get any better. Right. So there's two large problems there. And of course, if you had to bring this up to somebody, 
then more than likely it's already happened a few times. So it's not a one-off, it's a pattern. Exactly. This is, <laughs> by the time someone gets pushed to tell you, hey man, this is a boundary you continue to cross and now you're hurting my feelings, well, this is typically not a in-the-moment sort of situation. This is something that they've mulled over, yeah. they've thought about, and it's a difficult conversation for the other party as well. And props to them to love you enough to, to see your potential and work through this in their own mind of how they're going to approach you, tell you about this with leaving it on the table going, well, I can't deal with myself not to say something. So that's going to hurt me. And I also know that being this honest and candid might push you to a place of not wanting to spend time with me. Sure. So it is a big responsibility, but that's what high value people do. Yeah, and that's and what we're trying to get to here is like high value people care about you. They support you. They love you and they want the best from you. So when you look at your behaviors around your friends, are you that person? Yeah. Or are you that person who lets your friends mistreat you, lets your friends get off the rails and doesn't take any responsibility to support them and care about them? That's a difficult question to answer for some people. Mm hmm. And I know in my younger years, I was more immature about that. And I was raised very conflict averse. Sure. In my household, when my dad was upset with me, I got the silent treatment. It wasn't a big heated blow up fight. There was nothing thrown. It was, oh, now dad's not talking to me. And I have to try to fight to win back his attention, acceptance, and approval. And because of that, I've built up a little bit of conflict aversion over the years, and I've been working through it myself. So when I encounter someone who's willing to step into that space and tell me how I've misbehaved and tell me how I've hurt them, I value that more than the people who are quiet about it and willing to let me go off the rails and lose myself. And what's great about this, after you get that off to your chest, after you come to the person and you say, listen, I need to talk to you. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't need you to answer me all i needed you to do is listen to me and then you give them a day or two to mull this over and think about it. because they're going to be heated they're going to be upset yeah and be honest i know what i'm about to tell you could upset you and they're going to want to defend themselves but you give them that space about a day in right they're like okay well now that i'm calmed down i'm going to look at this objectively and maybe see if where i had been in the wrong right and usually when they come back, they're like, hey, thank you. Here's what I'm going to do about it. And then once again, or if it's, hey, you're an asshole for telling me this. Well, then your answer of where your time is going to be is present right there. Yeah. And that's the next step. So the first step is being honest. Yes. Laying it out on the table, framing it as these are my feelings. Your behaviors are impacting me and creating these emotions in me. So one, you're setting yourself up where you're on a plane that really isn't arguable. Then you look at the reaction and give them time, right? In the heat of the moment, as Johnny said, emotions are heated. Let's not worry about how they initially respond. Let's look at 24, 48, 72 hours later. If they come back and say, hey, I'm really sorry about that. I'm wrong and I know that I screwed up and I appreciate you sharing that with me. It meant a lot. Well, then it's pretty easy to pick things back up and write that off as a one-off. That's fantastic. And a lot of times, like for myself, I don't even need that. It's watching a change in behavior. And listen, we know this probably more than anyone. <laughs> there are people in your lives right now that are really good with words. Yes. Incredibly good with words, almost manipulative with words. It comes down to actions. And where are those actions? What steps are being taken to correct the behavior that evoked that emotion in you? And they can say, okay, yeah, I feel all that, but it, Johnny's right. If the actions aren't there, if the change hasn't happened, well, then it's just lip service. So we're looking for how they handle the situation, and that is the determinant of whether or not they get more of our time. You know, I always say the same things like when they come back and, well, they told me exactly what I wanted to hear. Now we'll see where their behaviors are. Right. And we'll see if that matches up. And then it's, you know, a week or so when we're seeing what's going on. And if you line those things up, you'll be able to tell precisely what's going on. And you'll have all the information you need to make the right decision for you. That's a very powerful place to be because, again, now we are controlling our time. Yes. That limited resource. So if you feel like right now you have some low value people in your life, right? You listened to part one of this a couple of weeks ago. 
you've identified these behaviors in others, and you're wondering, man, how do I confront this? How do I deal with this so that I either move on and make better friends, or I correct these behaviors in other people that have been harming me? Now you realize, all right, it comes down to action, and actions will dictate where my time goes from here. And here's the thing. At that point, as I was saying, if someone doesn't respect your feelings, if someone doesn't respect the fact that they've overstepped a boundary, then they're really truthfully not worth your time. Part of learning these social skills, getting over social anxiety and building some social confidence, which a lot of our clients going through the boot camp are working on and growing, is realizing that sometimes we hold on to friends for comfort. Of course. And it's much more scary losing something that you already have rather than opening the doors for something that you don't know is coming in. It's a irrational fear to think high value people are not going to be coming in once you change your behaviors and start becoming a high value person. And change is hard. Yes. Absolutely difficult. We are the first to tell you that. (laughs) And it's a big part of our lives and it's why we do what we do. The best part about this is when you can take control of this area of your life and not be tied down based on comfort, based on where your parents decided to raise you and you best friended your neighbor or because the university said your last name was close enough to theirs. So now you're roommates. A lot of us have friends based on circumstance. Sure. We don't have friends that are adding value to our life. So when you start to look at things through this new lens of what are these behaviors and others and how are they impacting me? And you start to guard your time a little bit more. Well, let's talk about how we welcome in high value people because that's the next step. We've yeah. identified low value behaviors. We're fixing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And now we want to start welcoming in some better quality people into our life. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We began to start leading and began to start working on ourselves and getting that 1% better every day. So Now with that, we're going to start seeing the rest of our social circle and we're going to start going through and seeing who's now worth our time, who's either following along or who's a high value person. At this point, you should have a pretty good clue of who's going to make the cut right after we purge the circle. And next is making room. And so now that you've called people out, you've made your decision, you've opened the doors. And here's the best part, right? As we fix ourselves, we start working towards this cooperativity that we're talking about, supporting other people, giving value. The best part is stronger frame dissolves the weaker one. So a lot of times in your peer group, someone just needs to step up and say, hey, this is how I'm going to behave from here. And a lot of times your friends will just fall in line and they'll enjoy this new you and they'll become high value along with you. 
If they're able to see the potential and the value in it, of course, yes. But as Johnny's saying, you know, we still have to make room for new people. At this comfort zone that we're talking about, holding on to these friends doesn't allow an opportunity for you to actually meet some more high value people. It's amazing to me how many people will hold on to those folks just so on Friday night they have someone to call to have that beer, even though that relationship is toxic. Yeah. You're not going to be bringing in new people if you don't have the room. And not only that, how are you going to attract high value people when you're fighting off all the toxic low value behaviors? And let's think about it, right? Let's say you do encounter a high value person and he says, <laughs> he says, you know what? I'd love for you to come over to yeah. my pool party on Saturday, Johnny. You seem totally rad. I enjoy this conversation at the bar. I'd love you to join me and my pool party up in the hills. And now you're going back home and you realize you made plans with your low value friends. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you think that's going to appear if you drag your low value friends to this guy's pool party? That certainly isn't going to work because the, most of your time is going to be spent looking at them. Managing their behaviors <laughs> and worried about their impression on others. And I will tell you, that's a fruitless effort because there's nothing that you can do that's going to be able to control them from making a bad impression about you and your posse, wherever this social engagement might be. And this is a great thought experiment. <laughs> If you got invited to the party of a lifetime, how many people in your social circle right now would you want to be that plus one? If you're starting to think, well, you know what? I'd probably go alone. Well, you're probably spending time with people that are impacting you in a negative way that's invisible to you right now. If you feel like, hey, I got a great group of friends, I would totally take any one of my boys to this pool party. Right on. Well, now we've set ourselves up for success. So that's where the making room component really comes into play. We have to be judicious with our time and we have to allow ourselves opportunity to meet new people. Well, that's the next point, right? Now that we've made room, doing some things that you've always wanted to do, get yourself out there, start being this new person and you will be surprised who comes knocking at the door. And what we're talking about here, some things that you can start doing is learning new skills, throwing yourself into new hobbies and interests. Those itches that you haven't scratched for years, that learning how to play the guitar, taking a cooking class, learning how to dance, throwing yourself into learning a new skill set, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone is going to create an awesome opportunity to meet these high value people. Because guess what? High value people are always working on themselves. They're always trying to improve. They're trying to find where their comfort zone ends so they can push themselves outside of it. And once again, these are all brand new people. You're going to be seeing Actions and behaviors are going to lead you to believe something. Make sure you look at it with proper lens of 80-20. Exactly. Understanding who is worth your time, who is worth bringing into your social circle. Because you're not just bringing them. You're bringing their baggage with them. And whether or not they've worked on that baggage or not is going, going to be key. It's going to be key. Everyone gets one, even two strikes. Give them an opportunity to present their fullest version of themselves before we just instantly become a judgmental jerk. That's not what we're advocating here at all. That's really important. Well, the other thing is you're going to be building these relationships with people and you're going to start to understand their temperament and you're going to start to know where they're solid and their weak points. You wouldn't want to put your friend in a position where his weak points are going to get exploited. Right. Like that's not setting him up for success, right? Like if you have a buddy who in general is, is a high value guy, but let's say in social environments, he's got a lot of anxiety. You're not going to put him in a position to do some introductions. or right. You're going to have to take the lead on that one. That is your domain if you know that he is weak in this, in this spot and vice versa. So what are some things that you look at in terms of actions and people you're meeting and starting to spend time with that are either red flags of, hey, I can't spend any time with this person. I know we both have our pet peeves, so we'll yeah. share those. <laughs> and then also, what are some things that go, you know what, this person is awesome. I'm ready to write this person into the high value category. So let's talk about first, what are some red flags that okay. we've seen in others, some pet peeves that immediately will turn us off to the possibility of friendship? Well, it depends on the environment, the situation. So when it's a social environment, a pet peeve of mine is someone who knows everybody, but is unaware that you're standing next to them and you don't know anyone. So it's like, it's friends of theirs, but yet they don't do the introduction. And then I'm put in a position to think, well, if I do the introduction, then I make my friend look bad. 
And if he continues not to make the introduction, I'm just standing there feeling more and more awkward. And so when I get put in that position, it's not only a red flag for me, it's really annoying. Yeah. The one thing that I talk to Johnny a lot about is this whole kiss up, kick down Ugh. mentality. Yes. Where someone mistreats someone below them and sucks up to someone above them. I think we can give Adam Grant the credit for that. I think that's his. Absolutely. Adam is obviously running through all three of these episodes. Sure. He's been such a huge influence on our viewpoint on this. That idea of, oh, I already see this person's below me, whether it's wait staff, someone in the service industry, valet, and I can just mistreat him. I can be rude. I can be obnoxious. And again, we're showing how coastal we are yeah. <laughs> in some of our examples here. But that for me is a huge red flag. And this is actually something that I believe we talked about 10 years ago on this episode. That's possible. And we use the example, quite honestly, which is pretty funny now that he's president, but we use the example of how you treat Donald Trump in the elevator is how you should treat the janitor in the elevator. There should not be a difference between how you treat people based on social status. So when I see that, that's a huge red flag for me. You know, it's interesting you bring this up, and there's a caveat to this that I've seen where People who like to tout themselves as high value, I've seen people treat the wait staff really well, but it's the kid who's trying to network who's slightly under the moves that you make. So now that you've leapfrogged him, he's now worthless, and you're looking right. at the guy up above, right, of the hierarchy. And that person justifies this answer by saying, well, I was cool to wait staff. I left a big tip. But it's like, but you just left your bro who brought you to this right. place and left him in the lurch. And because your perspective of the wait staff was taken care of, that you could act as this high and mighty person. It's like, now you're fooling with the whole hierarchy, right? Going along the same vein, the other thing that is a huge pet peeve and a red flag for me is someone who talks negatively behind people's backs. And when I encounter this, whether it's someone that we don't know and they're willing to slam them or it is someone that we know and they're willing to slam them Huge and leave the room, then guess what? I'm being slammed when I leave the room. Absolutely. Too. And I just don't have time for that. It's funny you should mention that. There's another one that goes along with that. And I know both of us have dealt with, which is you'll get caught up with some really fun people and perhaps they're taking swats at somebody else, right? And it's how they're going about it is pretty funny. You get caught up in it. But I think all of us have been in a position where we find that hilarious. We're part of the group. We're picking on somebody else. But that is coming back towards you at some point. And it's inevitable. And it's only a matter of time. And the minute it rears its head towards you, you're like, wait a minute, what did I do? And just like, well, you've done enough by being there and taking part in that for it to come back at you. Exactly. And that is one of the flags that just like talking behind somebody's back and just like this, it's so easy to see. But once again, it's very enticing because you're part of the crew. Everyone loves a little gossip. Everyone loves tearing other people down. But when you're a part of that, when you are privy to that, it can be fun in the moment. It can alleviate a little bit of your anxiety. But as Johnny said, it very quickly spins around and, and you're on the receiving end and it's not so much fun then. So let's take the opposite tact. What are some high value behaviors in you notice in people upon first meeting them or spending a little bit of time with them that you're like, you know what? This is someone I want to spend more time with. Well, I can reverse my first point and it's somebody who knows that introduction And when you roll in with somebody to their establishment or to their social circle, and they just start introducing you and building you up. and Especially when you barely know them, right? When maybe you've only hung out with them briefly, this is your second or third time hanging out, and they're treating you like a best friend, introducing you to people. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I mean, not only do you feel a part of this new circle, you're included. There's a lot to say about that. And all of us have thought about going to an event that we knew we didn't know many people there and it was a coin toss of whether this was going to go well or not. But we maybe we opted out because the thought of going and standing there was too overwhelming. But when you do have those people around you who are taking care of you, when it's their show, that's incredible. And piggybacking off of the red flag, let's talk about the flip side of that, which is looking for the best in people and celebrating people even when they have screwed up and they have made a mistake. Instead of piling on, giving people the benefit of that doubt. Oh, the waiter's just having a bad day, Mm -hmm. right? We don't need to 
trash the waiter because they screwed up our order. Or, oh, you know, the Uber driver missed the turn. It's not a big deal. It's probably they're just rushed looking at the GPS, right? Yeah. How people react in that situation says a lot about their internal character to me. So I'm looking for people that find the best in other people first, especially strangers, people that they don't know. Well, to go directly along with that, seeing things in you. So when you frame something wrong to yourself or out loud, it's like, hey, wait a minute, there's wins in there that you're just not seeing. Let's lean in on those. That's amazing as well, because having to watch what you say and how you think at all times is incredibly tough. And we also know that when you're reframing not only your perspective, your whole life in the positive, how much work that takes. And so to have others around you to keep you focused, to keep you aimed and to keep on your toes when that slides by, I think it's invaluable. <laughs> Listen, we're workout buddies, right? Like we know how important accountability is. And going along with that even a step further is being generous to the people around you, generous with your time, generous with your attention, giving them that appreciation, and even generous when it comes to tipping sure. and taking yeah. care of people, not getting caught up in the transactional side of things. Again, going back to the coastal thing, here in LA, it's pretty easy to get caught up in the transactional. What can you do for oh. me? How can I get into this event? Why am I not getting this invite? And everyone looks out for themselves first. It also shows you who the pretenders are. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So those small acts of generosity, both around me to other people while we're out, that's a huge positive sign in my book. Someone who's not looking to keep that ledger on their phone, but instead looking to pay it forward and take care of the people in their life. So we've identified some red flags and some green flags, we'll call them, with people that we're meeting. So how do we get started on ourselves to really start leading and moving into this high value position? Well, you know, we nailed the first one and we were talking about it. You have to be honest with yourself. Now, through these episodes, we had outlaid some low value behaviors and some high value behaviors. And if you were listening to this closely, you should have seen behaviors and actions of all four of those in yourself. Yeah. If you're being honest. If you're being honest. Now, here at AOC, when it comes to program, we videotape you and we show you what they are. And that's always hard hitting. But for yourself at home, what you're going to do is, okay, I have a habit of shrinking when I go out and I have a lot of anxiety going on or I shut down or whatnot. So you be honest with yourself there. That is the first step. Yeah. Looking at the big events in your friend's life. So were they promoted or maybe they got engaged or maybe they just had an awesome trip? How did you treat them around that is a good thing to look at in yourself to see where you are on this value scale. If you immediately felt envy and were unable to like that photo or comment or give them a little bit of that attention, approval and acceptance, then you can see you're being competitive in these moments. So that's what we mean by being honest. And I think one of the easiest ways to do this is to start journaling. Yes. And when you start journaling, I know it's overwhelming. And we get this a lot when we're talking about no one wants to stare at that blank page. Yeah. And a lot of us are not writers, myself included. I'm certainly not a writer. I'm trying to be <laughs> working, on, <laughs> working on it. Baby right? steps. What I'll tell you is we try to make journaling something simple at first. We're not trying to write pages and pages and pour our heart out yes. because we know that's not sustainable. The simple rules that we follow when it comes to journaling are thoughts and feelings on the day. For better or for worse, whatever the stream of consciousness, just how that episode made you feel. Identifying a weak point, something you'd like to improve in yourself, journaling that. And it could be, again, looking at this value scale. Oh, you know what? I was combative with that waiter who screwed up my French fries. Yeah, that happens. Or I got combative in traffic, right? I got so pissed off and I chased this guy down three lights just to flip him off. I'd probably do the most low-value, dumbest stuff when I'm hangry. <laughs> <laughs> but I've bared witness to it. And I've caught myself doing the little snapping, and I was like, why'd you do that? You were about to eat. You couldn't hold it together. Right. <laughs> so what is that weak point? Identifying that weakness in yourself for the day, and then ending it on what is something you did well? Yes. It could be the smallest thing. It could be liking someone's photo. It could be phoning a friend. Whatever act of generosity with your attention, approval, and acceptance that you could give to another person, let's journal that too. 
And to roll with that, it is so easy to come up with a list of everything that you're pissed off about yourself and yeah. everything that you felt you did wrong. You know, when we're doing classes here and we're talking about these reviews, how easy is it for the guys to give us that list? And then when we say, okay, two things that went well last night and it's blank, blank stares, just looking at us like, uh, that is a problem. And that's showing you something very important in your cognitive process that how much you focus on the negative, how easy it is for you to pull it out and how easy it is for you to commit to it and how difficult it is to find the positive, pull it out and commit to it. That's important. You should understand that. And that's where this journaling practice, it's a small step. It shouldn't take you more than a few minutes every yep. day. This journaling practice, the actual process of writing these thoughts, feelings, emotions down, working through finding a weakness and also finding a strength is really empowering over time. Because here's the thing, when we're doing this self-improvement, we're trying to get better, we're trying to be a high value individual, we're striving to better ourselves. You go through dips, you go through moments where life throws a curveball at you mm -hmm. and all of a sudden your life is turned upside down and it can get difficult if you don't have that perspective of how far you've come, where you were months and months ago versus where you are now and having that bit of perspective to go, you know what, this is just another step in my journey. Journaling gives you that ability to flip back and you'll find what's so interesting is when you start journaling, some of those weaknesses you're now writing his strengths. Mm -hmm. And you may not see these things, and this is why it's important for you to have this laid out, but your friends will be able to see the change a lot of times before you do, and it's easy to get frustrated. And also, we know that when it comes to self-development, a lot of people, once they decide, I need some help, I want to make some changes, they grab a giant list of things that they're going to start improving <laughs> on, and that's just an impossible feat. You have to narrow it down to a very few things that you're journaling about. And sometimes it's difficult to see the strengths and weaknesses. Yes. I'll admit it. And that's one of the reasons to get a coach. I've been trying to learn how to play golf. And it's a difficult game. Absolutely. It's very easy to get advice from my uncle, to grab a golf digest, to hop on YouTube, learn how to change my grip and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden you start working on an area that didn't need improvement an area of my swing that didn't need the change. Uh, the grip was already fine, but I didn't know that because I didn't have that third-party perspective to tell me, oh, no, the grip is not nearly important to the swing mechanics as your lower body and your ability to shift weight at the point of contact. So the thing with coaching is it gives you that perspective of, hey, don't worry about these strengths where you're going to see minimal gains no matter how much effort and energy you put in improving it. And that's where we get stuck sometimes. We'll start working on strengths and not be able to fight our way out of it. And then we're like, oh, I'm not improving at all. I give all this self-development up. So if you find through this journaling exercise that it's a little bit difficult for you to find those strengths, it's a little bit difficult for you to not write down 20 negatives, then that might be a time to start thinking about how else can I improve this with maybe an outside perspective? Well, and to go along with that, if you want to spend some time trying to find these things for yourself, Putting yourself in a position and monitoring yourself in a, in a live event will do it. So let's say that you're going to go out to a social event and you're going to test some boundaries. You're going to test your metal. And for a lot of us to walk up to strangers and just start a conversation is, can be really hard for many people. So you throw yourself into some sort of networking event or social gathering. And you're like, okay, tonight... I'm going to keep open body language. I'm going to put on a smile and I'm going to approach 10 people. Now, the minute you put that together and you start looking around the room about who it is, you're going to make this approach. You're going to say hello to, you're going to be social with that cognitive process right there. It will tell you a lot. And if you're standing there for a, a long minutes time, are passing, minutes maybe are even passing, hours and you still can't find the right person. That is a weak point. And then let's say that you do find someone that you want to go chat with and you get into that conversation. Where does things break down? Did it go a little bit awkward? You found yourself running out of things to say. Did you feel that there was a lot of tension and pressure on the interaction and it got awkward? Now you have something to work with. And the only way you're going to understand that is then you go home, then you journal, just as AJ said, what was my feelings about being out? What two things that I felt I could have done better with last night. And you would know through how you're feeling, what went on of, well, 
I guess I could get better at conversation. That didn't go so well. And I guess my just saying hello, opening the whole thing up, making a first impression could use some help. Now you have something to, to chronicle. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking at conflict in your life, looking at those moments where you're in conflict with another human is a good place to observe your own behavior yes. and oh, think yeah. about how did you handle yourself? Did you hold a grudge? Were you able to apologize? Were you able to accept someone else's apology? Were you holding on to things that didn't really matter? So looking at conflict in your life is a good place, again, not only to journal, but to have that self-reflection. The second thing is let's start working on our body language. Mm -hmm. We say it here, there to charm. The mind leads the body and the body leads the mind. The other saying, and I think it might be, you said this last week on the podcast, but it's easier to act your way into thinking than to think your way into acting. And reason being is you can take responsibility for your body language by bringing it to a conscious level easily. Right. Where your thought process takes a lot more work. So we got to straight, straighten out what you can straighten out first. Yeah, and the body language is that low-hanging fruit. It's one of the things we attack first during the week here in L.A. is fixing that body language, showcasing the most confident body language that you can muster can allow you to start to feel better in the moment. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you're... Take more risk. You're less risk-averse, you're more adventurous, and people are taking interest in you. So some high-value body language, first and foremost, is having some warmth. And a lot of us, when we're out, we have this stoic, resting, <laughs> processing face. Well, there's a lot that goes with that, too. And I think a lot of it is I don't want to look vulnerable. Yep. And I don't want to look weak. And so... Maybe I don't like my smile. Maybe I don't like my smile. And to combat that, you go to the other side. Well, now I'm going to look tough. Now I'm going to look... You mentioned stoic. And what happens in that point is the other people that are looking for fun warm social people when they see you you don't pop on the radar and or you pop for the wrong, <laughs> wrong reasons. reasons and that's important so allowing yourself to look approachable second thing body language wise that's absolutely huge again going back to the same mind leads the body body leads the mind is closed versus open body language open body language is arms at your side taking up natural amount of space Closed body language is crossing your arms, crossing your legs, and ultimately closing your mind. It makes it more difficult to listen. It makes it more difficult to be open. And again, it's that signal that's being sent to the room. High value people have warmth, have open body language. And the third thing that I would recommend is eye contact. When we're going out, if we want to draw in high value people, if we want to appear high value, making good eye contact with people is important. And the simple rule of thumb that I know we're going to get challenged on, so I'm excited to get some emails, is make eye contact when you're talking and break eye contact when you're listening. Well, there's so much that comes into play of that. And of course, the guys from program will laugh about this, but all of us have heard about making that confident first impression. And for guys, we tend to walk up to the person full positive body language. What I mean is full front facing. Like if I was to walk up to AJ facing AJ face to face, shake his hand and I just stay in that position because that we're meeting for the first time, there is tension and pressure there. And because maybe I'm trying to meet AJ, I'm not focused on the attention and pressure. I just want to be there. His attention and make sure that he feels that I'm present and engaged. And so that tension and pressure is going to continue to mount until one of us gets bugged out and asked to leave. Now, because I'm the one who approached AJ, it's usually going to be AJ is going to be the one who says, I got to get out of here. I don't know what's up with this guy. Right. <laughs> you can't take it. <laughs> so going along with that, when we stay in that positive body language, it's easy to hold eye contact too long. So we like to break eye contact when we're listening. And science actually shows that 
prolonged eye contact takes away brain processing power. As we hold the eye contact with someone else, our brain struggles to follow along conversationally to be as engaged. So that's why a simple rule of thumb is just break eye contact while we're listening for a bit and then come back with that eye contact. And again, if you are a good listener, the breaking of eye contact is not going to be a big problem because what comes out of your mouth next is going to be engaging and following along with the conversation. Where we get in trouble is when we prolong the eye contact, we lose our train of thought, mm -hmm. and the tension and pressure's on the other person, and they're like, I don't even think the other person's listening to me. We've all been on that side of the equation. So those are three body language areas to focus on to start projecting high value, to welcome other high value people in, mm -hmm. start getting yourself to be more approachable. The third thing we'd love for you to focus on, after you're honest, after you fix your body language, is start identifying some triggers. Each one of us has these triggers. Each one of us has moments in our lives where things shake up and we get reactive. We yes. get combative. We get competitive. You don't have to be reactive, right? And the only way to work through this is figure out what they are and put yourself in that situation. Right. There's so many of us who have identified problem areas. So the first thing we want to do is go find a book that will tell us about how to fix that problem area. When in actuality... And how to fix the problem area is to put yourself in that position to deal with that problem area. Exposure therapy. <laughs> Exposure therapy. There you go. <laughs> I just posted this on, on Facebook in our group. I was like, you're not going to learn how to shoot like Michael Jordan reading a book on jump shot. No. It just doesn't work that way. Identifying the triggers and then putting yourself in those situations, consciously knowing that it's a trigger so you could start working through that reaction. Well, and once again, when we go back to cultivating a social circle that is high value, one of encouraging and supportive, when the people around you know what you're working on and they can support you in these situations when you decide, okay, here's an opportunity to strengthen this part of me, your friends see you go do that yeah. and they're egging you on, they're cheering you on. And this is the kind of thing where now you're doing things because of to strengthen, to get better. And you're taking those risks because you know what's on the other side of that is a better you. Right. Rather than what's on the other side of that is my friends making fun of me because I I'm tried and failed. reactive idiot. <laughs> Again, going back to my golf skills or lack thereof, <laughs> when I was getting started especially, I would get very frustrated, right? I miss hit the ball. I have too big of a divot and I'm slamming the club on the ground. I'm, I'm getting triggered. I'm getting upset over my own actions, realizing that first, that's not actually helping my golf game at all. That's just abusing me mentally and physically and my clubs, unfortunately. And then working through that by, okay, it's conscious now. I realize that in the past, I've swung the club at the ground. I've tossed the club towards the golf cart. Take a breath, take a couple steps, let the emotion pass. What I think dovetails a lot with this triggering and understanding triggers is starting to work on some mindfulness practice. Sure, yeah. I know it's something that Johnny has started to dabble in. I've been big on now for a little while now. I don't want to give myself too much credit there, but it is something that has raised awareness in myself around my emotional reactivity and understanding that these are just emotions, these are just thoughts, they're passing, they're not things that I have to hold on to yeah. and allow to cloud my judgment. So there are really three areas that we want to look at for these triggers. Yes, and we all have them. So. Yeah, the first being work. Yes. Looking at the way you treat your coworkers, the way you interact with your boss, and the way you interact with your subordinates, are there things? Yes that are happening in the workplace that lead to low value behaviors. And keep that journal open, right? When you find yourself just losing it, where you just want to like run around the place, giving everyone the finger and kicking over garbage cans, write down what that moment is. What brought that on? What were the events that led up to that? Could you see it percolating before that? Yeah. Usually, <laughs> what is it? There's the light before the thunder, Yeah. right? So if you see it, and you can catch yourself before the trigger is absolutely pulled, we can start course correcting. So yes. work is a big one. Yes. And I know we've all had terrible bosses, terrible coworkers, difficult team members. Understanding that you being triggered doesn't help bring out their best behavior. And you being triggered only really impacts you on a deep level. 
So holding on to some of these triggers and poor behaviors and others impacts you on an emotional level, impacts mm -hmm. you on a physical level and a mental level. So it is important to realize those triggers. The second area we want to talk about is with your significant other, oh, your spouse, boy. in your romantic relationships. What are your triggers? Are you clear on what they are? Are you clear on what these things are that evoke combative, competitive, supplicative behaviors? And once again, a lot of these things are because of the baggage that you hadn't dealt with yet that is dealing with you. And we talk about like all of us are riddled with fears and insecurities, and we're either going to dive in there and start working through this and better ourselves and figure out what these things are and address them, or we're going to let them kick the shit out of us on a daily basis up and down the street as if we were just a soccer ball. And <laughs> identifying is important and then working to solve them. And sometimes you do need professional help, whether it's a coach or whether it's a therapist or whether it's a counselor. Being honest with yourself is the first step. That's what we're talking about here. Working on this area can require some assistance. And that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. And I would also add to that, that these things, if not dealt with, tend to get worse over time. The older you get, the more they pile up, the more the way you're viewing yourself continues to darken. Obviously, you know, things of where depression begins and starts and, and how it can impact and creep in. You not dealing with these insecurities and building up walls or doing whatever you can not to fend with them, eventually they'll take over eventually they're the wet blanket that you can't get out of. Yeah, and especially as it starts to creep into all of these areas of your life. So we're talking about work, now we're talking about romantic relationships. Let's talk about the third and final area, and that's your social life. Yep. Where are you triggered at social events? Is it because you meet someone new and they have a nicer car or they have a nicer watch or maybe they're making more money or their business is more successful and it evokes this competitive side of you? Understanding these triggers can help you work towards becoming that high value person once again if we've cultivated a social circle that is a high value one our friends are going to come to us and point out some things that we could be working on or things that worry them about us and that's fantastic to have and i will also say in cultivating this try to find high value people from all sorts of walks of life so that they have different perspectives they have different beliefs and respect those things and appreciate for what they are because all that does is enrich your experience and enrich is how you think, how you view things and put together models of how the world works, which is you know, something we'll also be diving into at a later episode. So identifying triggers in these three areas is an important step. The last step we want to talk about is challenging yourself now. If you feel that you're being triggered, you feel that you're falling into these low value states, then it's important to push yourself to find that cooperative side, to find that better side of the coin, that positive side, that positive outlook. We talk about this. It's the 30 day challenge of being high value. The idea here is to unapologetically and no looking for any transactional value to machine gun value indiscriminately to everyone that you come in contact with for the next 30 days. Think about that. Now, that I know that sounds pretty wide and pretty broad, but let me break it down a little yeah. bit. So here's the way I want you to think of it. And I say this as a class. You can go to a store and buy a candy bar, or you can go to a store and buy a candy bar and allow the lady behind the counter to smile for the first time that day. That's like the little extra thing. And what are you putting in? A little extra time and a little extra energy to allow that to happen. You're not trying to win her over. You're not trying to make her laugh. You're not trying to get her to be your best friend. You're just throwing something out there to lighten the mood, allow her to smile, something silly. You know, like you buy the candy bar and, hey, you're awesome, high five. Something silly, like you'd be surprised. Now, what happens when you do this for 30 days? So for 30 days, what you're going to find out is you're going to find out the power that you do wield in the world around you you're going to start strengthening muscles that haven't been used as like lifting weights so we're specifically working on certain muscles. And you're going to have a clear picture in how to handle so that moving forward, you can implement this in areas of your life where you want to start excelling. So let's 
delve back into that very thing we started with two weeks ago in value. Attention, approval, acceptance. Boom. So what are those things that we can do to machine gun this value, to give people this value over 30 days? Well, attention is listen. It is honestly the easiest slash the most difficult thing in the world to do right now with this stupid smartphone in your pocket. Yes. Ready to steal your attention at every moment. Listen and taking interest. They go hand in hand. Setting your phone down when you're with your significant other, when you're with your friends, not allowing yourself to get in that social media trap that we harped on a couple weeks ago. Let's talk about appreciate. Giving people genuine compliments is a simple, easy way to machine gun that value Mm -hmm. for 30 days. Look for reasons to compliment people based on actions, not the external stuff. Yeah. Not, oh, hey, that's a great hairdo or, hey, those beautiful eyes. Look (laughs) for personality traits, actions that we could compliment first. Yes. That should be the default. If you can't find one of those, then the surface level is good. The third thing we talked about is acceptance. Acceptance is welcoming people into our lives, welcoming people into our group. And the easiest way to do that is to invite people. Invite them to hang out with you. Invite people to spend time with you. The power of the invite is honestly one of the most underrated things that you can do for other people. Everyone is looking for fun. Everyone's looking for things to do. In today's day and age of FOMO, I understand (laughs) there's always something better. But if you can consistently look for people to invite and throw out the invite, hey, we're going to this show this weekend. I'm having some drinks at my favorite bar. I'd love for you to join. Without a desire of making it transactional, I got to get the invite from this person, but start inviting and start welcoming people into your life. So give them attention, give them some compliments, and give them the invite for the next 30 days. That's the challenge. But also, if you're journaling, you should see some improvement there. And make sure that you're looking for to celebrate those small victories. Absolutely. Giving yourself that pat on the back when you have achieved something, no matter how small it is, that difference is huge. And we want to end this with something very specific because obviously a lot of us listening want to get ahead in our career. Oh, yeah. Part of the reason we came here is to improve our social skills. It's why you're tuning into this podcast. And your career is a big part of that. Being successful in your professional life is important. So what can we do at work, Johnny, to become that high-value staff member, team member, employee? Well, just like talking about our social circle, first and foremost, we want to lead. Stronger frame dissolves the weaker one. So if you start leading, you start behaving in a high-value manner, you're going to quick to find out who wants to follow that lead and join you on that. That's first and foremost. A lot of the questions we get is, I have this problem with this coworker, and how do I deal with it? First, got to check yourself. Make sure that you're doing all that you can to be that high-value person. Second thing is lead by cleaning up your area. Being the person that is the most organized, the most on top of things. So understanding that people will follow your lead, but it starts with you fixing the internal and then fixing the environment directly around you. It's a saying that I heard a long time ago, and I can't remember where I had gotten it, but I said all the time, it's lead from your seat. You may not be able to uh, steer the company or have any impact there, But where you're sitting, the people that are around you, your space, you're in control of that. Absolutely. So then you can move on to developing those healthy relationships with the people that you're going to be working with on a daily basis. And how are some ways we can do that? We just talked about taking interest, right? We talked about listening, sharing uh, with those people. Complimenting. Complimenting. Appreciating the hard work that they put in. Pointing out wins that they've had. Right When they're getting negative on, on themselves, be supportive and encouraging when they're testing their limits. And the last thing is taking responsibility, ownership of your mistakes, ownership of the team, not allowing other people to have to own the mistakes or try to point fingers or make excuses or throw other people under the bus. Own it. Have that accountability personally And that's going to change that work environment for you. All right, let's recap today. We started off talking about becoming high value by fixing yourself first. You can't welcome high value people into your life if you, in fact, are low value. So starting with yourself and working outwards. 
We also talked about what it takes to welcome in high-value people, understanding that they're busy and we need to find the time and space in our own lives to welcome them in first. And then lastly, we wrap today talking about how to become high-value at work. This is not just about your personal life. This can help you succeed professionally, and this is what employers are looking for to advance your career, those people who are cooperative, great team players, and bring everyone else up. So if you enjoyed checking out this show, we encourage you to leave us a written review in iTunes, check us out on social media, and share it with your friends. Ideally, you'll find some high-value people that will enjoy the episode along with you. And if you're interested in checking out our programs here in Los Angeles, you can find that information on theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Thank you for listening this week. We look forward to chatting with you next week.